Welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor here, and I want to welcome you and, and say thanks for coming. And um, we, you know, this, um, it, I, it almost goes without saying, uh, it's been a weird last year and a half, right? I mean, we went through this pandemic, and we're, we're still in it, and it's, um, it's been, uh, it's been uh, bumpy to say the least, but, uh, but it's, it has also been kind of, um, uh, as you can imagine, difficult for us to navigate, even as a church, right? Trying to figure out even like small groups. How do we have small groups in homes when, uh, when people are at different comfort levels around with being around other people? And, and how do you like, how, how do we navigate this? And so we've, we've, for the last year and a half, small groups have been going on, but it's been something that we're kind of like, we, we're, just, we're just letting it settle. And some people want to meet, great. If you want to meet, if you don't want to meet, okay, well, I get that too. Um, but we're now at a place where we're saying this, uh, it, it, we're, it feels like we need to relaunch small groups. So we're doing this. All right, anyone interested? Anyone interested whatsoever? We've had a number of people, even though over the last year, who have, I wanted to be in a small group, but I'm also unsure, and I don't know what it's like. And, uh, and so we try to tr- really help people get, like, plugged in. But we're at a point now where we're saying, all right, you know what? Let's just, let's just, let's just open it up and say, all right, you want to be in a small group or think about being in a small group or want to hear more about them, uh, let's just have, uh, let's just get everyone in the room and let's just talk about what they are. So uh, if, that, if that's you, that's coming up, uh, be thinking about that. It really is a, uh, um, if you're not in a small group or haven't been in one, it really is the great next step for you and your faith and just being around people, right? Because we're, we're a larger church. It's easy to get lost or not, you know, come to church and be around literally hundreds of people, but then feel like, I don't really know many people. That happens in small groups. So think about that. And um, then also this Saturday is our pumpkin patch. So we've been talking about this. This is a big deal. Uh, if, you haven't, um, if you haven't signed up yet, sign up to bring you, your family. Of course, it's all free. It's just letting us know uh, how many are coming. Uh, I think right now there's over 900 registered, like from our church and the community. And so it's going to be uh, really a, a, an incredible thing. It's this Saturday. Um, and then if you want to serve, we still need one love for people who feel like, I want to, all right, put me to work. I want to serve. We can plug you in. I think there's a card in the seat in front of you. You can fill that out. Um, and, and we'll put you in a, in a great spot to get you working. Um, this, is, this is wonderful. So come to this, and uh, it's a blast. If you've never been, uh, it really is a lot of fun. If you have family and kids or grandkids, just come. It's, it, it really, it, you will not regret it. Uh, if you do, we'll refund all your free money that you paid. Um, so we're in our series, Ology, and, and we're talking about the ologies, right? Uh, like the theology, but all of the, like, the, the areas of study within theology. And the first week, two weeks ago, we looked at bibliology, the study of the Bible. What do we know about this? Last week was theology or theology proper. Um, what do we know about God? What do we believe? What do Christians believe about God? Um, this morning, we're talking about Christology. And, and it's this, what do we believe about Christ? What do we believe about, about Jesus? What do we know about him? And, and we could, um, we can, maybe you've been asked this question before by people you know, or maybe coworkers or family members. And, and they'll say something like this, um, uh, the, the wording might be different, but they'll say something like, well, what makes Jesus different than like other religious leaders? Or they'll say, what makes Christianity different than like all the other faiths? And, and how, do you, like, how do you know you're right and, and not everyone else is right? What if you're wrong and they're right? And maybe you've been asked this question. Maybe you've been posed this question by some. Maybe you've asked this question and just sort of, yeah, I, I, how do I know? 
How do I know that, that Jesus really is different than like other religious leaders? How do I know that Jesus is different than, say, a Muhammad or a Joseph Smith or a Mahatma Gandhi or like any, like of, any of the like big faces just think like they have their person? Well, Jesus is just like another one of those persons, right? What makes him different? Well, um, we could say this. We could say uh, Jesus is easily, I mean easily, by far, there is no close, no close second place. He is easily the most divisive person in the history of the world. Which is a weird statement to say, right? Because like, oh, it's Jesus. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, we, we all love, Jesus is great. We all love Jesus. No, people don't all love Jesus. Jesus is, and is, um, is probably, I can say this, he's probably the most divisive person in your life. And that, too, is a weird statement because it's like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? No, 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 he's not. All right, here's, I want you to test it. Ready? Okay. Next time you go to your work, wherever you work, maybe you're just around people, um, ju- you know, just, just mention, you know, if you, if you work at a school, just, you know, in the teacher's lounge, just mention Jesus and see what happens. Just bring it up. Hey, what do you think about Jesus? And then just, you, you probably just leave the room and just let him go. <laughs> Right? The name Jesus, like something happens when you say Jesus. Right? For you, um, think about like your family, like extended family, like the people that you, like, you tolerate, but you don't want to be around a lot. Like, you know the, those people. Like, think about the next time you're all going to be together, maybe Thanksgiving or maybe Christmas. Uh, and and you got people of all different kinds in your family, right? And, and uh, you know, uh, just everyone's different, right? At your next, your next gathering, your next meal, just, just, just try this. Okay, ready? If you don't think Jesus is divine, just try this. Hey, everyone, before we eat, I would just like to give you guys the opportunity to place your faith in Jesus. <laughs> See what happens. See what happens when you bring up Jesus. I mean, you already know, like, I already know the people that will never, ever come back into my home if I said that, right? Jesus is divisive. So today we look at at Christology. How do we know? What do we know about Jesus? And what is it that makes him different? And how do we answer that question? What makes Jesus different than other re- religious leaders? And, wh- and, and why, why, why does that matter? When we're done, I, I hope, I imagine, I, I think you'll be able to have an answer and say, all right, I got it. I, I'm, I'm more clear now than when, I, than when we started that Jesus really is different and it, and it really does make all the difference in the world. Here's the first thing we're going to see as we talk about who Jesus is. We study like, like what we believe about Jesus. Here it is. Ready? Jesus is fully and truly God. Now, uh, for a lot of us, that statement, you're like, okay, I got it. All right, next. No, no, no. Well, hold on. Hold on. We don't get a brush over that. That statement is the single greatest stumbling block for our society, for people, for critics, for, for people who are just a little, I don't know. This statement that Jesus is truly and fully God is the hurdle that uh, I, listen, great teacher, sure. Had some nice thing to say, great. God, hold on, whoa, hold on. That's a different league. 
That's a whole different level than just a, a, you know, a, a really smart, wise teacher. Jesus is fully and truly God, is, is a hurdle. Um, and it's the hurdle you must jump if you want to truly know who he is and experience what the Bible calls salvation. If you can't or won't agree with that statement, then spiritually you're stuck. And here's the deal. Here's the honest truth. Ready? I'll say it to you because maybe no one else will. And if you, if you don't believe that to be true, then you cannot be saved. It doesn't matter what else you think about, about all the other stuff. If you don't understand that Jesus is God himself, then the rest of the faith you can't get right. This is that pivotal. It's that foundational. It's that just simply plain English. This is, this is what Christianity says and what we believe and what the Bible preaches. Now, I don't want you to take my word for it. We're going to go through a whole bunch of Scripture so that's not like some guy on the stage telling you this is what it is. No, no, no. We're going to look at Scripture. So uh, I want to start by saying, uh, by looking at, at who the, the people that were closest to Jesus, like what they said about him. So what do people who knew him like personally and interacted with him, what did they say about Jesus? We, we, they wrote down some things that they said, what they believed about Jesus. Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God. That Jesus, the Son, like when you see him, like God's invisible, but like it, to get a picture of him, okay, there, it's, it's him. It's, it's Jesus. It's the son is that image. Um, he goes on a chapter later and says this, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Here's what that means. Ready? He said this, in Jesus, Ready? All that God is, all the fullness of deity, of divine nature of God, ready? All of it, it lives in bodily form in Jesus. I mean, that's clear, right? According to Paul, he is clear that, that Jesus is the, like, the, like, the indwelling of God himself. All of it is there. He says in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus, who being in very nature God, like the very nature of who this, the Son, Jesus is, is God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He talks about that. Listen, this is Jesus who, who very nature was God, yet he was still humble, even to the point of being a servant, even to the point of dying on a cross. Rest assured, this was God. In Paul's mind, this is God. Peter, Peter, who uh, followed Jesus and, and was the guy who Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you. He says this in his second letter. He opens by saying, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and, our, and of Jesus. And he says this, our Lord. Throughout the New Testament, you'll see, you'll see writers talk about Jesus, our Lord. And, and for them, that was synonymous with, with he, is, he is our God and he is in charge. 
Thomas uh, says this after he sees the resurrected Jesus and Jesus says, come feel my hands and feel my side. And, and Thomas says, my, my Lord and my God. That's his response. These disciples were like, you, this is, you're not just a guy. You, you are God and you're, you are my Lord. John, um, John talks about this. John was also a, a disciple of Jesus and was close to him and um, and, and he writes this passage in, uh, um, I remember having a conversation once with, uh, with um, a lady who uh, was Jehovah's Witness and uh, different faith, right? Um, and different belief structure. And uh, for Jehovah's Witness, they don't believe that Jesus was God. In fact, they believe that Jesus was the archangel Michael. And they have this whole elaborate kind of theology around that. And, and, and right, and we can talk about it. And all right, let's, let's discuss it. So, so I'm having this conversation with her and, um, and she brings this up because, uh, you know, I, I knew her. We were, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say friends, but, you know, casually we know each other, acquaintances, and, and we'll talk about faith and her faith and my faith and differences. And, and I remember one day she brings up and she says, all right, you keep saying, like, you know, the, like, uh, you talk about the Trinity and this whole thing and, like, Jesus is God or whatever. And she goes, can you just show me? So, yeah, I went, I went home. I, went, I talked to, uh, you know, people in, in uh um, where, you know, my faith, and they, and they said, well, it, it doesn't say that in the Bible, to go ask him for a verse. So she's like, so here I am, and I'm, can you show me a verse? And I said, awesome. <laughs> I said, here's the thing. Do, do you really want just one? Is that enough? I go, I'll give you one. I'll give you some extra ones for free even. And I said, all right, here we go. So if, if listen, this is, um, this is some, just some Jim, friendly, friendly advice, you know, from, you know, cousin Brandon. Ready? If anyone ever asks you, where in the Bible does it say that Jesus was God? Here's where you go. There's a bunch of places you can go, but just for you to remember, you're going to go to the book of John, and you're going to go to the first chapter and the first verse. Okay, can you remember that? Super easy, right? So I said, all right, let's go. Let's open up to John. Chapter 1, verse 1, and let's read this. And then here's what I did, and this is my, this is like uh, another freebie for you. Um, uh, I had her read it. Because again, I'm not, this, I'm an, who am I to tell you what is true? I want you to read it, and I want you to read this. I'm, I'm not putting words into this. You, here's the Bible. Read, you read, just read it. Let's just read it and see what it says. So we open up to John, chapter 1, verse 1. And it says this. In the beginning was the Word. In the Greek, that word is logos, and it represents more than just like, you know, like a, a word, but, but it's, it's, a, it's a thought, a mindset. It's the, it's the mind of God. It's like the, the essence. And, and in the beginning was, how do we describe it? Okay, it was like this, it was God, but it was this Word. It was his, who He is and His essence and how He, all right, in the beginning was, how do we describe it? All right, the logos. And the, this Word was with God, and the word was God. And she's reading this and she's like, okay, that's fine, all right. So whatever the word is, that's, that's God. And then verse two, it says, he was with God in the beginning. All right, so whatever this word is, whatever this word is, we just see that it's a he, right? Verse two, he was with God. Okay, so this word is, is God and is with God and, and it's a person, 
And then it goes on to describe more about this word. But then you can jump down to verse 14. You can read all of it. Of course, you should read all of it. But at verse 14, we're, we're given the identity of this word. This word who was with God and is God. And it says this. The word, this word, logos, capital W, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then it goes on to talk about who this this one is, and it's none other than, you guessed it, than Jesus. (laughs) The Bible clearly, in John, he's writing, in the beginning was this word, and this word was with God and was God, and it's a person, and this person took on flesh, like became a person, and we know that person as Jesus. Woo. So she's reading this. And I'm like giddy inside. Like I'm so excited that we're talking about this. She goes, okay, fine. Give me another verse. <laughs> I said, how many do you need? I go, if, if one's not enough, how many? She's like, all right, fine. I need to go think about this. And she went back home and, and we never talked about it again. And I, I, to, to this day, I, I don't know where she is now. I have no idea. But I, I know that this, this was an issue, was a, was a really difficult stumbling block for her, even though she had a faith. This idea that Jesus is fully and truly God. Now, it's one thing, it's one thing for us to say that about him, but, but it's another for us to say, all right, well, what does Jesus say about himself? Because there's a lot of people who will say like, all right, but G- fine, other people said that he's God. Okay, sure. But did Jesus, did he ever say, hey, by the way, guys, I'm God. Did he ever say those words, I am God, right? And they think that this is like some loophole, like, hey, if he never said it, then I don't believe it. All right. If that ever happens, you say, let's sit down and have a chat. Because does Jesus ever claim to be God? Oh, if you understand the scriptures very much so. In John chapter 10, Jesus is talking and he says this in verse 29, my father who has given them to me, his disciples, his followers, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. And then he says this. He says, I and the father are one. Jesus claimed this unique oneness with God that no one else dared ever say, but he's just boldly proclaiming it. I and the father are one. Like, We're the same. This is the stuff that would get Jesus in trouble time and time again because they're hearing this going, I can't, how can you say something like that? You and the Father are one. In John chapter 8, a few verses earlier, um, they have this conversation with him, the Pharisees, the religious leaders who are like, this guy's crazy. And it says this, they asked him, where's your father? All right, you keep talking about your father. All right, where is he? And it says this, you do not know my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He's like, listen, you want to know who the father is? Just get to know me. What? How can you say that? Because I and the father were one. We're it. That's it. We are one. 
A few verses later, they're having this conversation and it gets, as you can imagine, it escalates worse and worse and worse. And, and they're talking about Abraham and, uh, and, and, and Jesus. At one point, he sets him up because he's brilliant and it would have been so, like, it would have been scary to be there, but so fun to watch people squirm because Jesus goes, hey, listen, your father Abraham, he rejoiced to see my day. And they're like, What? How is that possible? You're just a young pop. Like, you're younger than us. And you've seen Abraham? Come on. And then Jesus replies, says, very truly. Listen, I'm about to tell you the truth. Ready? Very truly, I tell you. Jesus answered. He says this. Before Abraham was born, before he existed, ready for this? He says, I am. Now, we read that and you're like, okay, that's, you know, poor English. But all right, that's that's weird. (laughs) But, but. Their response when they hear that, you know what the response was? They picked up stones to kill him for blasphemy because they knew what he said. He just said in Greek, he said, these are the words, two words, ego a me, which means I am that I am. He just said, he is the name of God that God gave Moses. When, God, God has, when Moses is like, all right, God, I'm supposed to go like get the go to Pharaoh and tell him let your people go. Who do I who, who am I supposed to say sent me? And he says, "All right, here ready? Here's here's who sent me." And he gives him this Hebrew word and and we think we know how to pronounce it. We're not sure. It's kind of mysterious. Um, he gives him this name Yahweh. It's four Hebrew letters. And it literally just means I am. It means I exist. I am eternal. I have no beginning. I not I was or I will be. Listen, I just am. Tell them that I am who I am sent you. And that became the name of God, the most holy name. And now Jesus says, hey, listen, before Abraham was, ready for this, guys, ready for this? I am. You don't get to say that about yourself. That's God's name. And you said it here. Did Jesus know who he was? Oh. Undoubtedly, most, most assuredly, yes. And then in Revelation, so maybe you haven't even, I, I'm going to guess maybe you haven't made this connection or seen this. In Revelation, it starts in, in chapter 1, uh, where every book starts in chapter 1. Do you know that? In verse 8, it's God speaking. And it says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha and Omega are, uh, are two Greek letters. Alpha being the first and Omega being the last. It, it, and the equivalent for us would be, hey, I am I am the A and the Z. You're like, okay, that's as. That's a weird name, but all right. No, no, it's, it's poetic language to say literally, I'm the beginning, like I'm the start and the end. I'm everything. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God himself says that to John. And then we fast forward all through Revelation to the very end, Revelation 20, 20, or 22, and it says this. Jesus is now speaking. He's given his final words. And Jesus says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is saying, listen, who God is, ready? I am too. I am that. Did Jesus know or claim to be God oh if if you understand like the background behind what he's saying oh oh he most certainly did so what have we learned today ready here it is ready Jesus is God 
That's the statement. That's the hurdle. If you, if that is, if you can't get past that, you're spiritually, you're stuck. That's it. You're at the ceiling. So we've learned Jesus is God. Now, I'm going to ask you to say it with me if, if you're like, yeah, that's it. Ready? Here's what we learned. Jesus is God. All right, like you mean it. Jesus is God. All right, don't yell at me. Here's what we see. Jesus is God. When we study Christology, Jesus is clearly God, but that's not it. That's not enough. Jesus isn't only or just God. There's no way around it. You have to get past that hurdle. You have, if, if you want to experience salvation, biblical salvation, and, and have a relationship with God, like that's it. That's the hurdle. You gotta get past that. So with the deity of Jesus comes some other things. So what do we know about, about Jesus as God? All right, now we're gonna go through fairly quickly just for the sake of time, but, but here's the first thing that we see. When we talk about the deity of the Son, ready? The Son has always existed. Now this is weird because we often think of Jesus like, well, Jesus was born, you know, at Christmas time, December 25th, you know, and we often think of year zero and which like all of that's not true. Like he wasn't born at year zero or on December 25th. Is that a shock? Did I just ruin Christmas for you? I apologize. I'm just, I, I meant, yeah, all the, all the stores and the greeting cards got it right. But the son has always existed. He wasn't like, he was born in Christmas time. But listen, Jesus existed before that. The person of who he is, like God himself, has always existed. There was never a point where Jesus didn't exist. He didn't have the name Jesus, but, but he himself always existed. Not only that, we see that the son, ready for this, he created the world. That the son he created everything. If you understand this, if you can like somehow comprehend or at least understand and get your mind wrapped around this, when you read the Gospels now, it, you read it in a whole new light. Like you add color to it because you realize, oh, Jesus created the very people he's talking to. And Jesus created the very tree he would be crucified on. And Jesus made the material that would make the nails that would go through his hands and feet. Whoa, wait, this just got deep. Wait a minute. How do we know that Jesus has always existed and that Jesus created the world? Here's what we see in Colossians and John. We go back to those similar passages. Here's what it says in chapter one of Colossians. The son is the image of the invisible God. That's where we stop, but it keeps going. The firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Like the Son created all of it. All things have been created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. This is a big view. This isn't just a guy. This isn't just a religious leader who took a group of people and started a faith and, and said, hey, you guys, I'm gonna, we're going to create this new thing. You, you know, follow me and we're going to get all these other people. No, no, no. This is much, much larger than that. In John chapter 1, the same passage we just read, it, can, it too continues. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, way back then. 
And then it too continues, verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Like there's nothing that exists that wasn't made through him. Now that doesn't mean like, like this building, like he made the building, but this material, like, like as great as these builders are, like none of, none of them like made this wood, right? We, we chopped it up and it's beautiful, right? It's great. But, but he made all of it. The sun created the world. We see this, that the sun has power over nature. This makes sense because if he created it all, then certainly he has authority over it all. We see that in the gospel that the sun has, has power over illness. He would heal people just by touching them, by speaking to them. He would heal them from distance, like towns away. Like I don't even have to be around them. I can just say the word and, and they're healed. The sun has, we see he has power over, over spirits, over, over uh, whether they be good or evil or, or, uh, or demonic spirit. Like he has power over that, over the unseen. He's not just the archangel Michael. He's above all of it. In Hebrews, we see it's clear. It's like Jesus, like the Son, is so much greater than any other created beings, spiritual or physical. Like all of them are down here, and and he's up here. He has authority over all of it. And the Son, we see through the Gospels, he has power over death. He 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 can bring people back to life by speaking. What? This isn't just, this isn't just a religious leader who's like studied a lot. This is something different. So what does this tell us? Ready? It tells us we can, we can truly know who God is through the Son. That when you read about, when you see, when you look at Jesus, when you hear his words, you are hearing and seeing and reading about God. We can truly, truly know who God is because of the Son. Now, that's not it. That, that would be enough, right? Like, okay, he is, Jesus is fully and truly God. Oh, that's great. But that's not enough. There's a second part to this, this mystery of, of how this all works. And it's this, that Jesus is fully and truly human. This, this statement represents the single greatest miracle that, is, that has ever happened. In theology, it's referred to as the incarnation, right? It's a great theological word. Um, Here's what it means. It means uh, uh, that he was made with flesh, to be made with flesh. If if you have trouble thinking about this, I I shared this last service. I think it may have ruined people's understanding of Jesus, so I'm going to ruin yours as well. Think like like you're going to go to lunch today and you're going to order carne asada, aren't you, right? And if, if, you, if, you, if you don't, then you're doing it wrong because that's what you should order. Carne, because it, literally, carne means flesh. Like you're going to go, I mean, that, again, sorry for ruining it. You're going to eat some flesh. I mean, it's not, you know, it's good flesh, but you're going to eat it. The incarnation is, is the God, ready, is made flesh. And he, took, he takes on skin and muscle and bones and blood and he becomes human. This is the, the greatest the, the greatest miracle is this, that the God who created everything, who exists outside of time and space, the God who made it all. Ready for this? That God 
becomes a zygote. You know what a zygote is? It's, it's a fertilized egg that eventually becomes, in humans, a person. It's the single cell that then divides and eventually becomes a fetus. It starts with this zygote. All of who God is somehow mysteriously, like, like I think we, one day we'll be, like, you'll be in heaven and you can, all right, all right, God, I got a few questions for you. Ready? And you can ask them, how did this work? How did the incarnation work? Like, how did all of you fit into like, like, the, like just a single cell and then eventually, and, and he could explain it all and we would still say, I don't get it. I don't know. This is part of the mystery and the miracle of, of like God enters into a zygote that becomes a fetus inside of a womb and then eventually becomes a child that's born, like a baby. And he goes through the process of development that, listen, every single other human that has ever existed went through took nine months some you know some less some more about nine months it takes nine months and then for the rest of your life your mom tells you about that experience reminds you of what you did to her Jesus went through that same experience Jesus was born and was an infant ready and was helpless and relied 100% on the care of someone else that God himself ready had to be fed God himself had to, had to learn to walk. That God himself, listen, this is, this is weird. This is where my mind goes. God himself, this, all of who God is, enters into this infant and like he goes through all the same stuff that your kids went through. Think of all the crazy stuff your kids went through, right? Like God himself has to get potty trained. He probably did it fast. Like he probably just picked it up quick and was like, all right, what's next? Like our kids are not that, but... Like he had to go through all of that because he was a human, just like us. Jesus was born and went through a normal birth and had to be cared for just like us. So when we talk about the humanity of Jesus, here's some things that, that, that come out that we say that the son, though he's over all of it and always existed and created the world, the son was born. And the son had a human body. And ready for this? And the son had to develop as a human. He had to grow as a person. We see this come out in, in Luke chapter 2 that it's describing now Jesus' upbringing. And it says this, and Jesus grew in, here's in four areas. In wisdom, he grew mentally, in his mental capacity. In stature, physically, like he actually physically grew and got larger. And it says this, and in favor with God, he grew spiritually in his understanding, his relationship with God and man. And he grew socially and relationally. Like he grew in all of the areas that you are a human in, he grew in all those just like you did and have and are still growing. He experienced all of it. The God of everything had to develop as a human. We see this, that the son experienced human weakness. He experienced hunger and fatigue. He was tired. He experienced thirst. All of the physical things that you and I experience, 
He, he knows. He knows that. He, he experienced human emotion. Think of all the emotions you've experienced. He's, he's, uh, he understands. He understands he's gone through that. Like grief and anger and frustration and sadness. He's had all of it. He experienced all of it firsthand. I know what it's like to experience. We see Jesus crying in the scriptures over the pain he feels. He's also experienced joy and love. And he experienced compassion. Like the, all of the things that we say make us human, oh, he knows. He, he had, he felt. So what have we learned about Jesus? What did we learn here today? Ready? Jesus is God, but also Jesus is human. Okay, say it with me. Jesus is human. Jesus is God and Jesus is human. And this, this presents us with um, with perhaps the greatest mystery too that we just we don't understand this in theology it's refer, you don't need to remember this it's referred to as the hypostatic union maybe you've never heard of that before Here, you don't need to know what it like those words but you do need to know what it says and what it means here's what it means ready that in Jesus we have two complete distinct natures. We have God, the nature of God, and the nature of what it means to be a human. And it's not 50-50, it's 100% and it's 100%. And somehow both of those 100% exist in one person, Jesus. And it's this great mystery that throughout time people try to explain and, and any way they try to explain around it or through it ends up being heresy. Like there's one where, where okay, well he's a, He's a man, but then at his baptism, the spirit comes and descends on him, and now he's God. And then at the cross, he gives up his spirit, and that's, that's when God leaves him. Now he's a man again. And that is heresy. That's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's our attempt to try to explain away this thing. But no, no, no. Here's what the Bible says. He is fully God and fully man. Yet he was different. He was different than us humans in one essential way. He was sinless. Second Corinthians, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So what does this tell us? Not only can we truly know who God is through the Son, but God can truly know, ready, who we are through the Son. That this isn't just a one-way street where we get to know God because of Jesus, but the opposite is true. Ready? God actually knows you now because and through Jesus. Here's what it says in Hebrews. This is my favorite passage in Hebrews. Hebrews is an intensely theological book all about Jesus and, and uh, how, how incredible and how divine he is. And this is my favorite verse in it. It says this, Hebrews chapter 4, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. That we have a high priest who, who understands, ready? Who understands all of the temptations, the struggles in life, like, you, like the stuff that you the stress about, they keep you up at night, the things that, like all of the stuff, the things that just seem to be like, like bombarding you in your life, he understands that. He can relate with us in that. 
And it says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That, that God actually, he knows us because of what Jesus did and who he was and that we now have a, this, this priest, this, this incredible person between us and God that, that now relates to us and knows us. That, that God himself, the infinite, the wonderful, the outside of time and space, God chose to forever attach himself to humanity by becoming a human forevermore, never to be separated again in Jesus. And because of that, you and I can know him. Woo. How is this different than other religions? There is not another religion on this planet that says something crazy like that. And it's, it's Jesus. Listen, if this is true, if, if this is true, if Jesus is God and Jesus is man, then he is unique above and beyond anyone else that has ever existed. And that's the hurdle that every one of us has to choose to get over or to say, I can't, I can't do it. That, that, what we say is the gospel. Here's what we see. That Jesus is fully and truly God and fully and truly human. It's this fact that he is both God and man, fully, completely, that allows him to do the greatest act that you and I now benefit from. Jesus, he dies in our place so that we can know God. This is what we call the cross, the sacrifice on the cross. That Jesus takes our place and pays a price we couldn't pay and, and, and instead says, I'll, I'll pay the payment and make a way so that, so that God, that they can know you, that they can enter your presence with righteousness. Not because of what they've done, but because of what I've done in their place. The Bible explains this in a number of ways. It describes it as a substitution, as, um, as, um, uh, as a sacrifice. It describes it as a ransom, that the cross was, that, God ran, that Jesus ransomed himself, all of us. And it describes it as a, is a bit, another big word, a propitiation, which means an appeasement to God. He says, I'm doing this to appease you and, the, and the, the, the judgment you have on sin, you put on me instead of all of them. Oof. No other person in history has done that. We see this, that the first greatest miracle that, that God becomes a person and takes on flesh leads to the second greatest miracle, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. All of that, all of that is fine and well and true, uh, but, but if, if Jesus dies, it's over. And what we see in the Gospels, that, that again, we have to come to terms with and say, yes, I, I, I believe this is true. I, I see this as this is what happened. That in Jesus, in the resurrection, he then says, listen, because of my resurrection, because of my ability, I conquered and defeated death, and now I can show you the way. Listen, I am who I say I am, and I'll do what I say I will do. It's almost the like, all right, prove it. And he says, okay, watch me. And he comes back from the dead and says, not only will I do this, but listen, 
I can do this for you. And I will. Here's what I want. Ready? I want you to follow me. I don't even need you to figure it all out or have it all mapped out. And Listen, here's what I want. Ready? I want you to follow me. Come with questions. Come with, with, with doubts. Come with, I don't know, but his, his followers had plenty of questions and doubts. But there's something different about him. They said, all right, but I'm still following you. Because you're, you are different. I'm going to end with this. First Peter, it says this. This is why it's so important to us. First Peter chapter 1 says this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, and here it is, ready, into a living hope. And how do you do this? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This is the gospel, and you need to hear it today, and you need to hear it again tomorrow, and you need to hear it again next week. Ready? Jesus is fully God, and he's fully man, and he's one person, and that allowed him to pay the way for us. He's the only one who could do this, and he makes this, this sacrifice for us so that we could know him. So we could say this, Jesus, fully God and fully man, gives us hope in a broken world. That's the point. Why is Jesus so important? Why is he so different? What, what difference does he make? How is he different than any other religion or any other religious leader, anyone who's ever existed? Oh, because he's fully God. And he's fully man, and that gives us hope. And when we look around the brokenness, like you, you don't even have to go far now to see how broken things are, right? Just turn on the TV. Just wake up and see the world is just broken and messed up. And because of who Jesus is, we're told we can have hope. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Would you, would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to, we're going to worship this Jesus together. We're going, to, we're going to worship this God who we have, who we've placed our hope in. Not because of something we've done or how good we are, but because of how good he is. Because he is truly and fully God and truly and fully human. Would you, uh, would you bow with me? Let's pray. So Jesus, it's, uh, I mean, it's, al it's, over, it's almost too much. It's overwhelming to try to just explain or study you in just an hour on a Sunday morning. It's just not possible. But what we can get is a taste of who you are and, and a realization that you are so much greater than even maybe we think you are. So will you increase our faith and our trust in you? And will you give us hope? There may be some of us in here who, uh, who have never, you have, you have yet to decide to place your faith in Jesus. To say, I want, I want that hope. I want to follow Jesus. All right. We're told in Scripture the way to salvation, the way to forgiveness of sins is by believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead. That, that you're saying, I'm choosing to follow you, Jesus, and I'm putting my faith in you. here's the cool thing. You could do that this morning. You could do that right now. It's a personal choice where you just say, all right, I'm in. I want to follow 
Jesus. You can do something with you. That's you. You can just pray where you are. Praying is just talking to God. I'm making a decision. You can say something like, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I am far from you. And right now I believe in you and what you did for me. And I commit to living for you. Will you come into my life and change me? Now, others of you, maybe you've done that before. But for you, you're just saying, I need hope. I'm living in a world where I just need hope. Right now, things just seem to be crashing around me. I want to I pray for you. So if that's you, everyone's still bad. I just slip your hand up so I, know, I can see who I'm praying for. Yeah, 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 over here. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Lord, for those of us who are saying, I just need hope. I just it feels so hopeless. I pray, God, right now that you would remind them and all of us of the hope we have in you, not because of what we can or will do or, or how good we are, but because of, of how good you are and because that you are fully God and fully man and that you now give us hope. You give us hope for the future and, and we know that we're told in Scripture that there's an inheritance that won't ruin or spoil or fade that you have this thing waiting for us and we it should give us hope we love you jesus we thank you and we worship you now as we put our hope in you jesus name we pray amen